So much confusion in the world. Thank you for being so kind. I need kindness now. Welcome to the Movie Ladder Podcast. We're all about cinematic connections. Each week we're discussing a movie that connects to the movie from the previous week's podcast. I'm Zach Brooks, and for the 114th asterisk time, I'm joined by... Brandon Fitzpatrick, and I am always dependent upon the kindness of strangers. That so, nice. I, you know, this, this movie really spoke to me. Uh, I'll give you the alternate one I was going to go with. Uh, mm-hmm. Hey, you hens, stop that cackling. I thought That's about a that good one. one. Yeah. That's or, a good uh, one. I like it. Tell us a joke. Tell us a joke, a little funny story to make us all laugh. I don't know what's the matter. We're all so solemn. This one could have used a little more jokes. I, oh, I yes. really wanted to hear Stanley's joke. Come uh, on, Stanley. Tell and of course, it. tonight we are talking about a streetcar named Desire. Last week, we had the great Latanya Starks join us to discuss yeah. the big sick. Uh, we had a very, very insightful conversation. Uh, you know, you and her both got super introspective and uh, really, very personal. Really great feedback for that. Um, we had we had a lot of fun. LT LT is just the best. I love, yeah. I love talking to her. We love when we can get Latanya booked on the podcast. Uh, this week, we're talking about Streetcar Named Desire. The, uh, there are a couple connections. The biggest is that Ilya uh, uh, Kazan is the director of this movie. Uh, his granddaughter was one of the mm-hmm. leads in uh, Zoe Kazan was one of the leads in Big Sick last week. Uh, also deals with complications of marriage and, and illness uh, and illness. Yep. Different uh, sort. Yep. Different sort of illness. Uh, still an illness. And um, also, Brennan, you noted. That, well, I guess we can get to it later. Well, whatever. You yeah. noted that there's an Oscar connection as well, right? Yep. Uh, bested, both were nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. This or. Uh, yeah, best original screenplay or best adapted screenplay. Uh, Big Sick was best original screenplay in 2017. Uh, lost to Get Out. Um, Streetcar Named Desire won best original screenplay. I'm sorry, best, best adapted. adapted screenplay. But I always do that. I always mix the two up. Well, we had the uh, whole discussion last screenplay. week that I thought Big Sick yeah. should be an adapted screenplay. Yeah, so adapted I believe, let me double check that, but I believe it won best adapted screenplay in 1952. Um after uh, a very extensive run on Broadway, this was turned into a play. Um, have you seen the play yeah. of this before? I have never seen the play, but I have seen staged versions that were filmed for later use. Ah, so, okay. I've never seen a live production of this, um, yes. but I've seen scenes from it. Like in high school, this is one of the go-to ones where one of the go-to plays that our dra- that a drama teacher would use for acting out scenes, like especially really heavy material and getting you to um, open up as an actor. And, you know, it's, um, yeah, there, there are a lot of um, reusable scenes in this for acting classes, for sure. Uh, and just to, just to fact check you, it was not, uh, nominated for Best Screenplay, did not win. A Place in the Sun won. Oh, Okay, Place of the Sun makes sense. This is good. Uh, the African Queen, Detective Story, La Ronde, and Streetcar Named Desire are also nominated. Uh, that's a nice year. Um, yes. Uh, it did win for Best Supporting Actor. Uh, yep. Won for Best Actress, Vivian Lee. Yeah. Uh, plays Blanche. Uh, and Car- Carl Malden won for Best Supporting Carl Actor. Carl Malden. Yep, yep. Awesome. He won as Mitch. Uh, which, love, love a guy whose last name is Mitchell, but they, they nickname Mitch. That's always there you good. Go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we'll get into all of that. Uh, but... But first, we're going to have some other stuff to deal. Uh, of course, at the end of the episode, we will decide on our movie based on suggestions sent in from the listeners and ones that us, your host, brought. Um, I think there's some very obvious connections. I'll be curious how many sure. people nominate some of the obvious ones. Uh, we will be spoiling Streetcar Named Desire. So it is on a uh, it is on HBO Max if you want to watch it. Um, yep. That is the uh, 
the movie version, of course, is on HBO Max. Uh, or if you want to skip ahead, you can check out the timestamp in the description of this podcast. Uh, but uh, go and spend, you know, a little over two hours. Like, get to be hyper-focused if you're going to watch this movie, I think, because um, it's For very sure. dense. But uh, go watch yeah. the movie and then come back and listen to us discuss it. Yeah, there were two different cuts when I searched for this on my Roku. One was not available on HBO Max and one was. I'm not sure what the difference between the two cuts were. They, there didn't seem to be a difference. Like, hmm. one wasn't labeled as director's cut or anything. Um, well, but, Roku, when you search as something weird, if the movie's on Apple Plus or Apple TV mm, Plus, it sometimes lists it twice for whatever what reason. Is, yeah. So okay. it might have been that. That's probably what it was. Yeah, because at yeah. first I was like, wait, I shouldn't have to rent this on Apple. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's on HBO Max. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and yeah, we'll get into all of that. Uh, Brennan, how is, uh, how's your week going? Uh, things are things are good. Just a lovely Tuesday. It was really nice yesterday as far as temperature went. It was like 80 degrees outside, but it was raining all day. Well, that um, sounds like New Orleans. Yeah, it was it was very New Orleans esque. It was it was humid. Um, I did take a nice walk in the rain because it wasn't walk, raining so hard that I couldn't. Um, but yeah, it was actually pretty refreshing to take a long walk in the rain. Um, yeah, well, that's just like the characters in this movie. Yep. So two for two so far. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, it's March, but it's almost March Madness, which is very exciting. Almost the big tournament, big, you know, so, uh, who knows? Maybe we'll have some basketball. I can't think of any basketball related movies that tie to this, but maybe mm-hmm. our listeners will. So, yeah. uh, what was the best thing you watched this week? Uh, so there are a couple of things. I, I had actually a really good movie week. Um, nice. I, I enjoyed everything I watched this week. Um, I had five films that i watched since the last time we talked and i could talk about any number of them um i'm going to talk about the one that's probably most relevant to our listeners because it just came out in theaters and that's going to be the batman um not to be confused with every other iteration of batman. exactly <laughs> let's let's talk about the batman um, i saw it as well so we, yeah. can, we uh, can broad strokes it yeah i just want to broad strokes it i don't want to spoil anything but the Batman for me has been a movie that I have enjoyed more over the last 48 hours as I've sat with it and thought of it. Mm-hmm. And and not to say that I'm pod, podcast influenced, but as I've listened to a lot of the critical reviews of it and deeper analysis that maybe I wasn't thinking about when I was watching it, it made me want to go back and watch it again to really get more of the depth that I think this movie was going for. Definitely. Um, I thought all of the performances were really, really strong, even like, I mean, top to bottom, it's just a banger cast. Um, Robert Pattinson is pretty damn good um, as a new version of Batman Bruce Wayne than I think we've seen before, unless you're really into the animated stuff. There are a couple of analogs. Um, but yeah, I, I really had a good time uh, with the Batman. I went to Alamo Draft House. I got some buffalo chicken cauliflower bites, um, or buffalo cauliflower bites, and one of those giant pretzels, and unlimited Coke Zero, and it was... Okay, yeah. That's like, nice, that's like an oxymoron. Uh, unlimited Coke Zero, I feel like, yeah. is a chippy yeah, exactly, Coke Unlimited. Exactly. It was, it was a nice three-hour sit. Um, I had space on both sides of me, so that was nice, too. Um, yeah, it was good. I, it was a good movie-going experience, and um, I definitely want to watch it again sometime relatively soon. Yeah, that's my thing. I was So I walked into this movie with super high expectations. Never mm-hmm. a good thing. I liked it. I didn't love it. 
I don't think it's as it's I'm not quite as high as an, on it as a lot of other people. I mean, my brother says this is the best superhero movie he's seen outside of Guardians of the Galaxy two. Right. Well, um, which has odd superhero tastes. Yeah, I get uh, why he loves Guardians two so much, and that's cool. Like that's yeah. a cool take. I'm I'm fine with it. But. Um, I mean, I think like this movie's good. I think it's mm. it's a it's a unique spin on Batman, and I'm glad I just finished that Batman right. book. Um, it's very much like goes back to the history of comics. And I know people who are diehard Batman fans love a lot of what they do. Mm-hmm. My thing was this movie was just so slow and whispery. Especially and, the last 30 minutes just really dragged for me. Oh, see, I like, thought the last I 30 kept... minutes felt like a different movie. The last 30 minutes, it's suddenly we're getting action and we're getting like a, a kind of a big event happening and the plot is moving forward. The first the first two hours of this movie, I mean, it wasn't you're bad, but it was just not what I would expect out mm-hmm. of a out of a superhero movie. And I'm surprised that it's getting such mass applause, like mass appeal, mm-hmm. because I would think like the general movie going public would be like, no, it's like kind of like Eternals where it's just like, no, this is really slow. And, um, you know, it's, it's very well plotted out and it's it turns into more of a detective story, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, very noir. But, we could have connected to it oh, from the big sleep. Yeah, very <laughs> much as a, as a Batman yeah. noir movie. Um. I did find myself watching it and I was like, if this wasn't Batman characters, I really would not have that much interest. I just didn't think like the story mm-hmm. without the Batman elements was that interesting. But right. like you, I want to watch it again. Um, yeah. I think there's a ton that you would catch a second time. I'm sure it'll be way better. The problem is I don't want to sit through a three hour Batman movie anytime again. Like I will at some point, probably when it comes out on streaming. But like I have I know people like my brother went twice in one week. I have no interest in going. Yeah, I'm not doing that. yeah. so um yeah, I think it's good. I think like some of our listeners might really like it. I think uh, a certain listener who writes in uh, first every week, I think he would not like this movie. Um, um, so I wanted to see it because I want to know if, my, if I'm correct on my take about his opinion. I, I, I would also shout out that um, I basically knocked off the last two movies in my um, guest picture for this year nominees mm-hmm. in Coda and Drive My Car. Oh, you um, saw Coda. Both of which I really, really liked. Um, I know that you were not as high on Coda as I was, nope. um, but I agree with you that it's not as strong as last year's Best Picture nominee, Sound of Metal. It's playing with a lot of the same themes, but mm-hmm. that movie I definitely think was better. But I still really enjoyed Coda. I thought it was I thought it was cute. I thought it was a nice, heartwarming tale. Um, mm-hmm. And Drive My Car is just... It took a while to get into. It's a very slow burn of a movie, but one that you can't take your eyes off of once you're into it. Like, it's very, um, it just keeps going and going and going, and it's very intense and very cool, and the framing device of it is really something that speaks to me as a theater person. Um, You know, the main character is a theater director, so I'm sort of a sucker for that kind of thing. Um, and that plays heavily into the plot. But um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed both. Um, yeah, I really got to finally... step up my, I got to step up my watching for uh, Oscar movies. Yeah, um, sure. yeah. I, I only saw two other movies this week. I mean, I saw some Buster Keaton shorts to go with uh, film spotting. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for for me, I, I guess I would have to say Darling Darjeeling Unlimited. Yeah, Darjeeling Limited Darjeeling is the name of the movie. Limited, yeah. yeah, I always want to call it Unlimited. Uh, it's a Wes Anderson movie. It's People say it's his worst Wes Anderson, the worst Wes Anderson movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it. I liked a lot of what it did. I really liked the first half. Um, mm-hmm. I think I slightly liked it more than Batman. Um, and I just think, like, aesthetically, 
it's really unique. The the first half of the movie takes place on a train and the train like car just lends itself so well to the framing style and uh, and kind of boxy and geometric nature of Wes Anderson movies. So uh, I liked I like that aspect of it. You know, it's three good actors in there as, as our three leads and nice. um, does some interesting stuff with family. And uh, yeah, it's it's nice. It's uh, unlike a lot of the movies that we talked about. It's a 90 minute like in and out, like pretty quick and nice. doesn't need to be much longer than it is. And it's not so. Um, yeah, uh, I, I sometimes have trouble with Wes Anderson because it's just so <laughs> much. But uh, yeah. this one, this one's a little bit, a little bit scaled back from uh, French Dispatch and in um, Grand Budapest Hotel. Fair so, enough. Yeah. yeah. So uh, train car named D. Sherling. Yes, to, exactly. Uh, a street car named. Well, it? actually, funny you should mention that because I <laughs> did see that Vivian Lee was born in Darjeeling. Uh, oh. So I, when I was looking, at, I was looking at the Wikipedia, and I saw, or somewhere, then I saw that she was born there, and I was like, "Oh, that's a fun tie." That's uh, really funny. Yeah, so let's talk about the streetcar. Um, yes. And uh, this was a Tennessee Williams play turned into a movie, as as Brendan said, uh, 1951. Yep. So when this came came out, uh, from what I saw, it stars most of the Broadway cast, including Brent, Marlon Brando, Kim Hunter, mm-hmm. uh, I think Carl Malden all were on the Broadway production, but Vivian Lee was added uh, to bring some star power to this. Is that yep. correct? That is correct. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I believe it's only Marlon Brando's second role, too. Um, it's very or, or am I thinking of something else? Uh, I would have to double check that. I don't. Uh, his first it, it might be one. Of, I mean, it's one of his early major roles. But yeah. Um, yeah. No. So it's, uh, you know, Marlon Brando. been in stuff before this. Uh, no, it is his second. After the men, he did the men. That's your car named Desire. And then uh, on the waterfront wasn't for uh, three years after this. OK, so. Um, Yes. Uh, so very young Marlon Brando. Um, you know, some of our writers might say very hot Marlon Brando. Yep. Uh, I mean, hot, A, because he's in New Orleans, but also like he's, uh, you know, he's a sweltering beefcake of a man in this movie. He is a beefcake in this movie, yes. Yeah. Uh, and so we're seeing, you know, most of the movie takes place in uh, in their apartment, yep. although we're seeing some scenes outside of the apartment and we're seeing the story. Um, not quite a love triangle, but like a... We're seeing Stella and Stanley are married. Stella's sister comes and stays with them and just kind of family drama ensues. Um, But I would say that this is a triangle of some sort. Uh, It's a family drama triangle. It's like a it's like when your distant relative that you haven't talked to in forever comes to stay with you and you know there's something shady going on Mm -hmm. about them. And then it just gets drama from there. Like it's, you know, it's. Stanley doesn't really know Blanche at all, and he is immediately suspicious of her arrival. You know, yes. and it's, it's and it does all... feel like watching this movie, we're seeing the battle between Stanley and Blanche for Stella. There's Correct. a scene. Yes. Um, there's multiple scenes where one of them, like quote unquote, wins, and yep. they make eye contact with the other one, and and there exactly. is like this alpha dog uh, competition between the two of them for Stella's love and Stella's affection. Yep, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we have, we kind of our three main performances. And then we also have Carl Malden, who did win the uh, he did win Best Supporting Actor. He plays a character named Harold Mitch. He mm-hmm. dates Blanche for a period of time. Um, and then yep. his breaking up with her kind of sets off a chain of things in the third act of this movie. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, um, this is this your first Carl Malden? You, you haven't seen On the Waterfront, right? I have, but I basically haven't okay. seen on the waterfront. I've seen it like enough to say that I've seen it, but I can't tell you anything about it. Uh, I could have been a contender. I know that's from that. Um, yeah. So, and, and Carl Malden is one of my favorite um, 
classic screen that guys like he's a mm-hmm. really great strong uh supporting actor presence in a ton of movies from the 50s and 60s um mm-hmm. he's he's one of my favorite people to watch act like i i would compare him a lot to like if this movie had been made in 2005 you could see like philip seymour hoffman playing that was actually what I was thinking too yeah. as I was watching this because Carl's uh, or uh, uh, sorry Harold's character is an I mean and a lot of this movie deals with aging and yeah. um, and being older and not being comfortable with your age and kind of where you are at life yeah. uh, and and Mitch Harold Mitch uh, play, he's a you know he's an older man he's older I think than any of our main characters yeah. uh, or at least he looks older um, and has not settled down, has not been married, and, and he's pursuing Blanche because they both are, are looking for somebody to, for that companionship. Yep. Um, and I do think that, like, there's a lot of Philip Seymour Hoffman characters that kind of meet that description. Um, yeah. A little bit schlubby, a little bit, like, mm-hmm. out of their element, um, trying to figure out their way in life, and yeah. And I believe this is who Olin last week in his because all this was all in suggestion. Uh, he said a, a charming but almost awkward apologetic man. I'm yep. assuming that he is talking about Mitch and he's not talking about yeah. Stanley because Stanley is not any of those things. No, no, it's definitely Mitch. And yeah, it's it's a great performance. Um, I yeah, I mean, it's, I, I don't know if he's going to be my hero, hero in the movie. We'll get there when we get there. But Ooh, I got to decide that I have not actually thought yeah. about a hero of the movie. Um, um but yeah, would I, you say, Brendan, would you say, because I, I I, have some some thoughts on this, but would you yeah. say that this movie was carried more by the performances or the writing? I think this movie is carried more by the performances than the writing. Um, I think there's a lot that happens in this movie where the stage to screen adaptation kind of shows it seems. Mm, okay. Where things that could have or should have happened in a actual movie version of this are sort of yada yada past because they're trying to remain faithful to the stage version and mm-hmm. keep it as tight as possible and keep it as close to the script as possible. I mean, is there this, anything in particular, like, is there a particular thing that happens that you can point to? A lot of it is there's, I, so stylistically, it makes a lot of sense for it to be boxed into just the block surrounding the tenement mm-hmm. that they live in. But it feels like we could have explored the area around where they lived more than we, well, we I mean, we kind of do. We see the dock, it's right? Not a lot. It's not yeah. a lot. It's not really anything. I mean, it's just a dock. It's like there's, there's a dock. Yeah. I mean, I also think that you're missing a, you're missing a scene where, Stanley actually talks to someone about Blanche and you get that side of his investigation into her Mm. that sort of just happens in the third act where he's like, I talked to my buddies down at the dock and I found it and here's all the papers I got on you. And, you know, you, you know, it it just sort of happens that he gets all the evidence he needs to out her as being a liar. I think a long time has passed. Right. In yeah. between these acts, we're getting, right. you know, uh, Stella is much more pregnant and has the baby right. that has the baby and the baby is no longer a newborn, but is just right. a baby. So right. when they get those those clear act breaks, a lot of time has passed passed. Right. And that's where kind of those things have happened. Right. I'm OK with that, because to me, this movie was like a ton already. I don't I wouldn't yeah. want any more added to it. That's probably my biggest problem with it is like 
I had to watch this twice. Um, it's not slight. It's definitely not slight. I just yeah. think that there are narrative leaps that even in its slightness, it 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 sacrifices some mm-hmm. of the um you know and I of the of the narrative explanation. That's right. Well, and and a I, lot of times I, it's there's a line in this movie that it kind of explains what would have been a whole scene, right? Stanley comes right, home exactly. and says that he talked that's to right. he talked to somebody at the dock. So we don't see that, and that's fine because otherwise this movie would be like four hours long. Um, but towards the end of the movie, you know, we have Blanche telling Stella that that Stanley raped her, and right. we don't really, you know, if, unless you're we paying don't know super for close sure attention. Because it cuts. Yeah. It, well, I think it's I think it's pretty heavily implied because yeah, he did he assaulted her in some way because it breaks the mirror, whatever. Absolutely. It does. Yeah. Um, but we don't see where she if, unless you're like really paying attention to the dialogue. Sometimes they could have a, a, a just a quick sentence right. that if you don't realize that's what's said. And that's why for me, I really had to watch this a second time because I got it after the first time. But I didn't feel like I'd be able to talk about it after the first time. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad I watched it a second time. Um, I think I, I picked up on a whole list of kind of themes throughout and and motifs and and uh, recurring items that happen in this movie. And that's why I think like the the writing is really, really good because it's so dense. I mean, this is a yeah. this is a pound cake of a movie. Yeah. Um, sure. And the performances hold it up. But I was so focused on kind of what was being said and where the characters and the story was going that it was a little outside of Brando. I don't feel like I was noticing the acting as much um, mm. in this. See, whereas I was, and I think maybe that's the benefit of me having seen this a couple of times before, is that I was much more focused on watching the facial and physical reactions of the performers, like watching the way Vivian Lee's face changed mm-hmm. from scene to scene, from mood to mood, from moment to moment, like the way her eyes just would embiggen at certain moments and grow wide when she starts to go into her fantasies mm-hmm. or the like way she would completely close down her body once she started to be afraid of anything mm-hmm. like her her physical transformation from scene to scene in this movie is really incredible and really really well done and then the same can be said for Brando like when you know you meet him and you're just like all right this guy's just a giant goofball idiot like you know typical blue collar macho dude but he ends up having a lot of nuance throughout the film I yeah because it's i mean on paper he's you're just like oh this guy's horrible yeah. right yeah. he's he's exactly. he's physically and emotionally abusive to both of these women correct um and is getting in fights and is yeah i don't I mean, make any me, excuses i, I feel like he's basically <laughs> drunk the entire movie right basically, i mean yeah. part of it is the way brando talks but yeah. he sounds like he's just slurring his words for the entire yeah. movie absolutely um, and that's that's part of like what i really like about the performance and you know it's they're like this is going to be a weird a weird um comparison but you know how like we had a friend back in the day who would get really drunk and go from manic to like depressive in the beat of an entire evening mm-hmm. where they would start drinking and then at a certain point they would get really aggressive and really like in your face and then 30 minutes later their mood would completely like polar opposite like a bipolar type thing mm-hmm. 
Like, that's what I feel like Brando is playing here. And it wouldn't surprise me to learn that he probably was drunk throughout a lot of the filming of this movie. I was thinking that as well. That's how method he is. Yeah. You know, uh, that's how there's a great scene. There's a great scene to that point that you're talking about, yeah. and it's towards the beginning. It's kind of that first big blow up that leads to the iconic when he yells Stella. You yeah. know, when he, he bellows, he bellows Stella a couple times to the balcony. Which I had seen that clip. I had no idea that Simpsons. was the context of that. Uh, I always thought it was like, you know, this was like a ro- really romantic thing versus yeah. like this is him like apologizing for being yeah. like a, a terrible. I always person. forget it happens that early in the film. That was the other thing is it sort of happened out of nowhere for me because I forgot that's how early in the film that. that well, and happened. then it, it, it then like it's kind it's, of mirrored again at the end. That's one of those yeah. things that you see multiple times. Um, yeah. And I have like a whole list of things that you see multiple times throughout this movie. That is why right. I really, really like the writing and what kind of where it goes. Um but when right before that, you know, his friends all throw him in the shower, his, his shirt's ripped, he's thrown in the shower yeah. to sober up and he walks out of the shower and he has this look in his eyes where he realizes what just happened and how like, yeah. oh, wow, like, like, and everybody has that, you know, that moment when they're drunk and like something goes yeah. off the rails and he's like, oh, that is not what I expected to happen or like, that's not what I wanted. Wow, no, that I'm got crazy. Idiot. That escalated quickly. Um, and he has that look in his eyes and then goes out there and is yelling for Stella and you know, Stella does what she does a number of times in this movie where she runs back, you know, she yeah. she, she remembers she's in love with Stanley and runs back to Stanley and is in his arms. And, you know, a, a lot of times when we see that, we see then Stanley and Blanche making yeah. eye contact with each other, like got one, like point for Stanley, yeah. point for Blanche. Um, and that's why I really love that the final beat of this movie is so focused on that Kim Hunter decision to not go back inside the apartment. Right. And to run back upstairs. Like, it means so much because, as you were saying, like, that really is the crux of the script is the battle for Stella. Right. And to to make it, you think you're, you think you're only watching the Blanche story for a lot of the movie mm-hmm. and a lot of the, and a lot of the play. And that sort of helps you realize that you're really watching Stella's story. Do you think, no, though, because all I, I maybe I'm just like cynical, but all I was thinking is that 10 minutes after this movie ends, that she runs back down the stairs again. And that's we're a just little cynical. Cycle. But who knows? You know, yeah. we don't know. But um, I'd like to believe she stayed upstairs. But that's the optimist in me. But so I will say another thing that I noticed is Eunice's. So Eunice is the woman mm-hmm. who lives upstairs. Her husband plays poker with Stanley. Yeah. He's shitty to her as well. It's the same so thing happens. Stanley's not of... the only shitty husband in this. Eunice's right. husband, I don't even know if we have a name for him, but he's also really shitty. Yeah. And so she's now, well, that's, this is actually really interesting. Now we have Stella up in the upstairs apartment with them. We basically have Stella now in the Blanche role. Stella yeah. has just suffered, suffered a bunch of trauma and is the third wheel with a married couple where the husband is shitty. Yeah. And I believe that Steve is, uh, all Steve right. is not getting I don't like that. Steve. Lots of S names in this. Eunice uh, and Steve. Yeah. Eunice and Steve. That doesn't. No, that doesn't go together at all. Yeah. That wedding. And then Pablo. Pablo is the fourth member of the poker. Yes. poker and, and we have Mitch as well. Um, so yeah, I actually just unlocked that. That basically the end of this movie, we're just repeating the cycle with Stella and the Blanche role. Right. And um, I don't know if she goes back now. I think that we just kind of see the same thing we see. We see mirroring in this movie to begin with, right? We see yeah. mirroring a lot with, sure. with different things that I have on this list that we see throughout this movie. And we're actually seeing the movie just restart at the end of this. And, you know, we can yep. have uh, a streetcar agree, yeah. named Desire 2 where, where Blanche is in that role and has run away from <laughs> her husband. And uh, it probably doesn't end much better, right? I would not, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, big theme um, I want to talk about in this movie uh, is, and what I really, I really put together the first time I was watching it, but then I picked up on so many things of it, is just how much of this movie is about Blanche's mortality with yeah. herself and her age and her feeling of being older and being an old maid, um, her obsession with younger men, her vanity, yeah. her obsession with, with the way that she looks, uh, and just how much, how many touches you get to that throughout this entire movie. Absolutely. I mean, and I, I think a lot of that also is baked into the PTSD that she comes into the movie with from the traumatic incident that she had years two earlier. Two traumatic with, incidents. Two, yeah. Yeah. Loss well, of her one, father and the loss of her husband. Well, the, 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 no, there wasn't a husband. It was a 17-year-old boy she was having an affair with from school. Right, but before that, and, her husband right. killed himself. Right. So three, really three traumatic incidences right. then. We had her, her, her father died, her husband killed himself, then she started, um, you know, I, I guess she was a prostitute is what I picked up on. And, well, she um, was a school teacher and she had an affair with a student. But had an affair with a number of men at the Flamingo right. Hotel. Right, after after she was discarded from student from teaching right yeah. one of them was a 17 year old student right exactly yeah and that's why she leaves yeah yeah so that's so that's like the way this movie deals with blanche's ptsd i think is really interesting mm-hmm. and actually reminds me a lot of um you know if this was the 2020 movie ladder we could draw direct parallels to both marnie and shutter island oh shutter think, island yeah. with this movie um mm-hmm. Especially the way that um, that Stella and Stanley both try to be that in some ways feed into her delusions and then also to completely tear them down. I love the um, scene where Stanley comes home and she's talking about how she's going to go on this this voyage yeah. and he he's completely like, tears her down. Yeah. He's like, oh, tell me more. Like, it's yeah. like, he's like, like he's, well, he starts he's, off really nice about it until he realizes how like out of her mind she is right and he just keeps goading her into lying more and um exactly i i don't i I thought that was like a really like we don't get any stella in that scene but i really love those interactions between blanche and stanley because he really wants her to go that's the other part is he really wants to drive her out and he thinks by goading her into doing this that he can get her out faster right because he wants he wants stella back exactly he's he's that it's that third wheel um, and he does eventually get her out because she gets taken to the mental hospital. Right. Um, and I, I believe, and you can you can tell me if this is wrong, I believe that his ability to do that and um, inter her in, in a mental institution is directly tied to the first conversation they ever have about, quote, unquote, a man's duty and what a man can do under Napoleonic law in New Orleans and what he can't do. Oh, interesting. I don't know if that's what that is. Um, um, I thought that, and again, this is where there's so much in the writing, it's sort of hard to track. I think that Stella was the one who called the hospital um, for Blanche, not Stanley. And what what it seems like set off uh, set off Blanche is that she tells Stella off camera about the attack. Right. Stella doesn't believe her and it just makes her more and more upset and fragile. Um, I do want to talk about when the doctors come, because yeah. I think that is super. Are you ready super... to get into the end of the movie? I mean, well, I, I, we're kind of jumping around, but I, I want to talk about it because I just brought up 
Blanche's mortality and age and her mm. obsession with younger men and vanity. And what we see at the end is is one line that I thought was really interesting is the kind of assistant to the doctor says her fingernails will have to be trimmed. Right. Uh, and fingernails, of course, is like a, a symbol of vanity. Right. And right. You, you paint your fingernails. You, and so to say that we're going to cut her fingernails off for safety because she's going to be in a mental hospital and ask right. about putting her in a straitjacket, which, again, is covering up her clothing. Yeah. It's she's losing that vanity that she values yep. so much. And she doesn't want to go until the doctor, instead of acting like a doctor, acts like a suitor for her. Right. And a walks out with, yeah, yeah he, he's a gentleman. Yeah, he walks out with her hand in hand, um, yeah. almost like a wedding processional. Right. And that's how they get her to leave. Is that, and that's where she says, you know, the kindness of strangers line. That's really, that's really famous from this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's where like the whole movie kind of comes full circle with, you know, Blanche is always talking about her age and she doesn't want to be seen in the light because she doesn't want to be right. in. And that that, that the way to get her the help that she needs is by appealing to that vanity. Right. So and bring her into the light. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just thought that was, I, especially that line about the fingernails, I thought was so, and that, that the man that she's walking with is not a young man. This, this right. man is significantly well, the other, older. The other part her. is that the doctor definitely represents death to oh. a certain degree because mm-hmm. he's dressed in a black suit. Mm-hmm. He's got slick back gray hair. When he takes the fedora off, he basically could be interpreted as a stand-in for, like, you know, death. You know, the Grim man, Reaper. the Grim Reaper who comes and takes you away at the very end. Like, I mean, you know, it's it, it very much gives me those vibes where she finally realizes that this is the end and she has to go with him and she'll never be seen again. Like, she probably passes away in that mental institution. Would oh. be I thought. Oh, look at you yeah. being cynical now. Um, you're <laughs> probably right. Um, yeah. yeah, I thought he actually kind of reminded me of the priest from um, Exorcist. Yes, that's what I was thinking of when I was thinking about an when old the, man. Yeah. When the two old people in yeah. suits come. Um, yeah, sure. I, I wonder if Exorcist was calling back to this movie at all. Um, uh, all right, let's see. So I have other stuff written down. I'm just trying to yeah. think of kind of where to go from here. Um, is there anything you want to you want to touch on? Uh, like yeah, kind of so, I mean, we, we you know, I'm not a mental health professional, um, oh. but I feel like I, I really appreciate the way that this movie depicts mental illness, not necessarily the way that it deals with it, because it deals with it in some really bad ways in terms of characters and the way they treat Blanche once it's pretty obvious that she has delusions. The characters treat her really terribly, but I think the film and the script do a really great job of portraying both people with mental illness and how people with mental illness were treated in the 1950s and 40s. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that that basically it was more socially acceptable to be a drunk like Stanley than someone with mental delusions like Blanche. Yeah. Like, um, I think that, too, it was uh, it was not accepted to be somebody who, a woman who is sleeping around. Yeah. Um, right? That she goes to that Flamingo Hotel, um, right. and that's where she has all of her gentlemen suitors. I mean, it wasn't just the 17-year-old. There were a number of men that she talked right. about that, sure. that she had in there. Um. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. I mean, Stanley is forgiven for his drunken outburst by his friends, yep. by his wife, over and over and over again. And, um, you know, just 
next day it's oh he's drunk again he does this mm-hmm. so um yeah the, the way the way the man is treated versus the the two women um yeah sure. yeah i um I think too, kind of the, the differences between uh, Mitch and uh, and Stanley, mm. I thought were really interesting. Um, I noticed that quite a bit, where um, you know the differences when when Mitch is around Stella or when Mitch is around um, Blanche versus when Mitch is around Stanley, his buddy, yeah. um, and the fact that you know Mitch doesn't want Stanley's liquor. Yeah. Um, he's dressed, he's not dressed in these tight, you know, the, the, we haven't even talked about like the Marlon Brando getup, but he's in the, the yeah. tight white undershirt and really tight fitting clothing. And he's, you know, he's kind of, his muscles are protruding out of, uh, yeah. his outfits. Whereas Mitch is just kind of in like an ill fitting suit with a, yeah. with a he's decent shrubby. tie. He's a shrub. Yeah, yeah. he's shrubby. Right. Yeah. Um, and just the differences between the two of them, you know, he's much older than Stanley. Stanley yeah. is young and married. Um, where, you know, Mitch is older and unmarried still. Uh, I think Mitch says he still lives with his mother, who's sick. Yeah. Um, I know he says his mother's yeah. sick. I don't remember if he said he lived with her. Yeah, he lives with his mother. Because she calls the house looking for Mitch and talks to her mother. Right. Yep, talks to his right. mother. Yeah. Yep. So. Um, yeah, and I think, uh, you know, just the the iconic look of Brando in this is something that's super yeah. memorable that I had seen in pictures. Okay. And again, I never knew any of the context for it. So, yeah, between uh, this and The Godfather are the two most iconic, like, when you Google images of Marlon Brando, it's going to be from this or from The Godfather. Or on the waterfront, maybe. Mm, not so much. He doesn't have, like, one standalone that I can think of. Um, mm-hmm. There is the one, I think it's called The Wild Ones, where he's on a motorcycle in, like, mm-hmm. all weather. That's a pretty iconic Brando image. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's called The Wild Ones. And of course, Apocalypse Now, but that's really yeah. such a smaller, that's not yeah, really a small really, role, but it's a, it's a limited screen time role. So, yeah, for sure. Um, I like, too, that we get kind of uh, both Mitch and and Stanley, we both hear about their gym routines. Uh, yeah. So Stanley <laughs> Stanley talks about bowling, like it's very hard exercise. He says, you can't oh, yeah, sit around in sure. damp clothes, especially when you're exercising hard like bowling. Um and then we have Mitch talking about his workout and how he's getting in shape uh, when they're on it's their meeting. Abs. Yeah. Yeah. And he acts Punch like very, very he's... awkward too. He's like punching, yeah. you know, feel him, punch him. Like it's like <laughs> socially strange. Right. So, um, and uh, let's see some other things that I noticed just kind of throughout. I mean, you talked about death, but there is just the, not only the death of the, the, of uh Stella and Blanche's dad, but Blanche's husband. Right. And then they they do mention that at Belle Reve, which is their I'm guessing it's just like an old plantation. It's like their yeah, big mansion. So it's their plantation home. Um yeah. I I have a note here um because I thought about this. At first I thought they were talking about a mental institution called Belle Reve. And then I realized that that's my brain because there are multiple uses of the ter- of the name Belle Reve in pop culture to refer to a mental institution. Um, so there, there are a ton of Belle Reve hospitals used in popular culture, and I think that they can't, that, that name came from Streetcar Named Desire. Hmm. So, yeah, I would be curious. Um, the main one I can think of, um, oh, where, where is it? I lost it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a name that's used like over and over and over again for mental institutions. Mm-hmm. in different um and actually it is the name of an actual mental institute or uh hospital mm-hmm. in pennsylvania or no new york i'm sorry does it new say york. when it was established yeah uh bell reeve 
in your... Because my guess is that it was established before this play yeah, was Don't Yeah, Don't Reeve is a prison facility in New York. Okay, so it was probably around before this play was written, and the, the name for the plantation was probably chosen Oh, it's from as D.C. For, I'm an idiot. It's for not, sure. No, it's from D.C. It's named after... It's it's Yeah, it's used by Task Force X in the D.C. universe. Okay. So it's got multiple uses. All yeah. right. So maybe maybe that theory is wrong. Well, um, there's a there's a Bell Reeve hospital in mm-hmm. Tribeca in New York. There's a Bell Reeve mental institution slash prison facility used in the DC comic book universe, mm-hmm. which is where the Suicide Squad are kept. Ah, okay. Uh, so I, googling Bell Reeve, yeah. it says Bell Reeve actually means beautiful dream. So that's the go. meaning of that name, um, which is a nice tie into uh, we hear Blanche talking about the the meaning of her name. Uh, yeah. Blanche Dubois, which, which means I believe she I know she said white and I think it was white wood. Um, and, you know, that's that's one of many mentions of flowers in this movie. So we yeah. have death a lot. Right. And death, you know, does kind of go with flowers as do as do um, as do weddings. But there's yep. the graveyard at Belle Reve, which references death. There's the man at the end, which you said are kind of like yep. Grim Reaper. And then the mentions of flowers throughout. So, so white wood, yeah, you know, that she's could be haunted a... by. She's haunted by the flower delivery salesman. Yes, Flores, Flores for the dead. Like, right. I mean, it's they that's also like uh, a trigger for her. Stella also describes Blanche as she's no lily, yep. um, which is another flower. Um, yeah, there is the flowers for the dead as well. Um, and I believe there was flowers like one other point in this movie that are mentioned. So, you know, flowers going with a funeral, um, you know, got that processional as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, lot, like death really does hang over this movie. So maybe you're right. Maybe she does die in that mental hospital. Yeah. Um, so um, I also thought it was interesting that, you know, that Blanche never wanted um, Mitch to see her in the light. He would, she would yeah. only meet him at night. She would only stay in the darkness. There's a mention from, you know, again, from, from Stella early in the movie about Blanche standing in the light. She yeah. says that she's younger than her sister. The, um, the birthday cake has 25 candles on it, even though she's well over 30. Yeah. Uh, just a, a number of ways that she's hiding how old she is, even though I don't really think Vivian Lee looks that old in this movie. She, she looked that, I think that's part of the mental, issue is like that that's the mental projection of her as a character is that and one of the like striking things is that when stanley puts her under the light like the camera focuses on vivian lee's face and her hair and her eyes and at first you think okay yeah she looks older but then like your eyes focus and you realize like she looks fine mm-hmm. she doesn't look that old right well and even not, mitch even mitch says he says i don't care what you look like you yeah, know that's not like my problem it's your it's the behavior and the lies and some of that um that that's where he has the problem so um an interesting directorial choice is just the way the music cuts in and out of this movie and i'm not sure if the play has as much music in it or any music in it um but there's often times where the music is building and then just cuts out and it makes it feel so haunting um, especially around 50s that's more of a 50s score choice than Mm -hmm. from the the play itself um, it's trying to give it sort of that 50s noir style score, um, mm-hmm. you know, cause, which is very typical for the era. Yeah. And I like the score. I thought the score was yeah. really effective, but I really think like the lack of score at points where it just cuts out and it's quiet and you can just mm-hmm. hear the the environment, <clears throat> the environmental noises. I thought that was that was all really strong. Yeah. So um, we haven't talked too much about. 
uh, Stanley's background. So Stanley is uh, a Stanley is compared to an animal a lot. So we have yeah. uh, Blanche is compared to a flower. He's always Stanley eating. Is That's a big thing. Yeah, he's, he's always, always eating, and he's compared to a pig yeah. a lot, um, and just yeah. called an animal. His class is often brought up. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's interesting that we have, you know, an animal would trample flowers. So if we're comparing Blanche to flowers and we're comparing Stanley to an animal, I'd be curious what Stella would be compared to. Hmm. I think she's probably the most normal person in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I think she's I think she's the average 50s housewife who has to put up with a lot of shit, both from her awful husband and her circumstances that she's in. I mean, they are. They are in a low-class cra- low um, New Orleans tenement in the French Quarter. Like, they're not—they're very blue-collar. They're very poor. Like, they, but they Stella's not. Stella to, comes from a family that owned a plantation. But they don't have any. But they don't have any of that money. And because that's she, why Stanley's so mad. Right. She like, chose— she chose to be with him. So I did just look up the name Stella yeah. and the meaning of it. And I think this was mentioned during the movie. Stella means star. So we have star, flower, and animal is what we're getting. Um, She's and, sort of above the rest, yeah. Well, and stars are referenced. Um, there's a couple lines about about the stars in the sky. Um, mm-hmm. And so Stella, of course, like stellar, of course, is stars. So that makes sense that Stella is a... So we have, you know, we have we have star, we have flower, uh, white, white flower, and we have... Mm-hmm. Um, with animal so i think that's that's some of the stuff that it's just like really interesting writing choices and makes this movie so layered um that you really like you it's hard to take it all in in one viewing yeah so um all right do you want to get into some feedback i think some of the feedback yeah, let's will do that. um yeah we'll kind of get get us Sounds good to me talking about, i think there's more to talk about with this movie i mean we didn't really get into a lot of the stuff with like the actual deed on the house when they sold it right. and um, and some of the other things, but I think that could be covered in, in our feedback from, from our listeners. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, so Jeff says, this one is hard to review in that it's well-made classic that is also well-acted. However, I didn't really enjoy watching this movie. The abuse issues and the insanity of Blanche just make you feel bad. I'm not really sure why people enjoy watching this movie. I give it a three just for the acting, not a movie I'd watch again. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I mean, it's it's... It, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's one of those movies that quote unquote doesn't age well. It's, you know, the, a movie like this is supposed to make you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to, you, you're not supposed to be rooting for Stanley Kowalski as a no, character. Definitely not. Definitely not throughout this. I mean, in fact, he's probably one of the biggest villains in, you know, classic, classic Hollywood screen history. You know, I mean, he's not a good character. He's not a good guy. And you're supposed to hate him. And I think you're supposed to feel uncomfortable and want Blanche to be able to get away and also right. want Stella to be able to get away. But and I do I think, think and it was like confusing for me because he is nuanced, like you said, right. where he really does love Stella. Right. Um, I don't think he's all bad intentioned. I also think like some of this comes from his background, right? He's a right. poor and, child of, of immigrants and right. is... Um, you know, is not from the same background as his wife and his sister-in-law. And I think there's a lot of resentment that he has for Stella's family, even though she gave up her inheritance to be with him. He, there's probably a lot of, what do you, what, what's the word I'm looking for? There's probably a lot of, not just resentment, but um, like, you, you, 
you made her choose this life and I feel guilty about it. Like, I think mm-hmm. that he probably has some guilt about it, too. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, he made her give up her rich life to be with him. And is she happy? Well, and they talk about you it, know? that that's, that she yeah. wanted to do that, right? Yeah. Um, but that, yeah. but that like, makes probably makes him feel like less of a man that he can't provide for her in the way that she was accustomed to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's true. Um, and he wants, you know, they, they are struggling. They're living in this small apartment. Um, mm-hmm. They have they have another person living with them, this house guest. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think, like, and we'll get to my review, but I think I'm pretty actually closely aligned with Jeff on this movie, which doesn't happen very much. Yeah. Um, just in kind of the way this made this movie made me feel. I think my rating will be higher, but um, and I think I appreciated some of the stuff in the writing that Jeff didn't. didn't um, I got you. But, all right, what do we got uh, What does Megan the Librarian say? Megan the Librarian says, Marlon Brando and Vivian Lee are both so magnetic that it's hard to take your eyes off of the screen. The fact that this was only Brando's second film is pretty wild. He is unbelievably hot in this. I mean, sure, Stanley is awful, but I get where Stella was coming from. Vivian Lee is brilliant as a broken down, ruined version of Scarlett O'Hara. Kim Hunter and Carl Malden are also great, as are the Tennessee as is the Tennessee Williams play. Ilya Kazan's direction and the score by Alex North are all, <clears throat> excuse me. But really, the whole thing rests on Brando and Lee, not only their individual performances, but the remarkable way they play off of each other. Four and a half out of five from Megan the Librarian. Yeah, I think this movie if any of these elements were less than what they are, this movie doesn't hang together as well as it does. Mm-hmm. I think all of the, I think one of the reasons it really works is all of these people, you know, the composer, the director, the brilliant playwright in Tennessee Williams and these actors all coming together at this certain time. Yeah. You know, no, I do think like this movie it needs these strong performances because there's so much to get across. I would be curious the difference seeing this on, on stage. Um, I know there's one big story difference, um, Mm -hmm. which is that Blanche's husband was gay in the play and they cut that out of the movie. Um, There might be other things too. I know the other thing is the the whole play takes place in their apartment. So these things that happen off of their apartment, like going to the dock and the bowling alley, that's all referenced, but it doesn't actually happen on screen. Um, So yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, you, but you can't in a play, you can't see the eyes and the facial expressions like you can in the movie where they can really capture that. And so um, these characters, these actors do bring that. Gotcha. So, all right. Jim Crumley. Well, I get why Strickland and Desire was revolutionary. It never quite hit for me. I spent mm-hmm. most of the runtime wishing that I'd seen the play instead. Uh, the main characters never felt very real. The gritty edge that they seem to be going for felt forced. The name Blanche has to be one of the lowest average likability. <laughs> has to be one of the lowest average likability for characters in popular fiction. Yeah. Three out of five. Uh, what other Blanches is he talking we about? We didn't even mention uh, Blanche Devereaux from Golden Girls was directly named after Blanche Dubois oh. in this film. And she's supposed to be a charming Southern belle with a wispy voice who gets all the men. Mm-hmm. If, if, if you know your Golden Girls lore, um, Blanche is the quote-unquote womanizer of the group. Or uh, I guess what's the female version of a womanizer? A male <laughs> uh, man-eater? Sure. Man-eater, yes. 
She's she's so. constantly talking about her, you know, dating exploits on the Golden Girls. So, yeah. um, all right. So three out of five stars for Jim. Yep. Uh, his hero of the movie is Mitch. He was the closest thing to someone rootable and felt more yeah. real than the rest. So, uh, I think you could also root for Stella, but I mean, you know, yeah, I, I get what he's saying here with, uh, I, with my Mitch. thing with Stella, or well, Stella is fine. I, I think with Blanche is um, why I couldn't root for her. Mm. As much as because there's so much that happens that we don't we aren't privy to. And so we just don't right. know what's true. Um, that's part of the problem. Yeah. And yeah, we really have like these unreliable narrators. In this and movie. that's part of Stanley's problem with her overall is that, you know, it's how much of it is true. How much of it is this facade you're putting on and why are you doing it? Like, it's mm-hmm. not helping anyone, especially yeah. yourself. Like, it's, you know, yeah. I'm not trying to justify Stanley Kowalski, I promise. No, I. I, I mean, this but, is like, you know, uh, The Ringer just did Fucked Up Family Month for the rewatchables. Yeah, and like, this would have been a great movie for them to do if they ever did a movie before 1970. For sure. Yeah. For sure. But they, they won't. They yeah. never would. Uh, <laughs> and I know we have Owen's feedback next. I actually have a, a real-time WhatsApp Uh-oh. message from Owen about this movie. So maybe I'll read that after you read. Maybe, uh, or maybe you, maybe you should read Owen's feedback and then end with the WhatsApp message. Oh, oh you want me to have to read Owen's feedback? All right. Yeah, I do. All right. Uh, this film has to be my favorite performance in a talkie. Sure, Brando Stanley is magnificent and somewhat revolutionary, but of course I'm talking about Peg Hillis as Eunice. Okay, not quite, though Eunice is great. Uh, Vivian Lee as Blanche Dubois just wowed me since I first watched this as a, at 17. Just like the collector for the star falls under her spell, so do I. Uh, she works superbly with Tennessee Williams' lyrical prose to bring out a mystical, ethereal wonder to that role. It will contain so many contradictions. I just feel so much for her character, particularly the monologue with Mitch on the pier is absolutely wonderful yet gutting. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I did mention that the play doesn't have those scenes take place outside the apartment, so I'm curious if that monologue happens in the play or not. I would imagine it probably does in some... It does. Yeah. It probably is after one of the poker games where they're left on stage together. Mm-hmm. You know, That would make sense. Uh, the score works magnificently. The dingy brass sections playing off against Blanche's childhood escapist uh, nursery tunes. Yep, I did notice some nursery some nursery songs in there as well. Uh, Elliot Kazan superbly uses the camera and blocking to create several iconic shots. Uh, well, I do have problems with him that are best safe for when we do on the waterfront. So <laughs> five out of five from Olin. Five out of five. Nice. Uh, and his, his real-time message, he says, I hope you have a bit of trivia about Jessica Tandy tonight. Uh, she played the yes. mother uh, from Hitchcock's The Birds. Now, did you yep. know what this trivia was? Because I had to ask him what it was. Uh, Jessica Tandy uh, played the role of Blanche on Broadway and was replaced by uh, from the movie by Vivian Lee, who was on the the uh, London West End production. Correct. Yeah, you, so you nailed it. Up. Good job. Yep, nailed it. So. It's also because uh, I have the Wikipedia in front of me. So uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was just reading it before uh, before we started feedback. So uh, it's the it's the uh, what is that like when you took what was the thing when you take a test in school? But it was like open book test. Was that what? Yeah, those exactly. Called? It was an open book trivia. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Um, if you were playing my trivia, it. you would have been disqualified for that. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Um, yeah, uh, a lot of shout out for the score in this. And I, I do agree. The score uh, really yeah. excellent. It, it, sure. it, I, I wondered if it was just me who was picking up on the the childhood nursery rhyme songs um, like pop. I think I heard Pop Goes the Weasel at one point. Yep. Um, so good to know that it was not just me and that is actually intentional. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So what does that give us from the listeners? 
Oh, I also forgot his uh, hero of the movie of one more thing. So I will go with the, this uh, for Owen. Also, I forgot. To, I missed the copy paste of that. Owen ah. also Owen says his hero of the film is Tennessee Williams for bringing such poetry amid a rough blue collar setting. And his quote unquote one more thing, which is really just supposed to be our one more thing. But sure, Owen. Uh, having watched the last episode of Pam, Pam and Tommy, I felt the themes that Pamela was rightly giving out about uh, the the women in a patriarchal society are judged on independent past actions and can't escape judgment of men who think they can never be anything but what they were. It uh, feels very prevalent to how Mitch in particular treats Blanche. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I didn't. Did you watch Pam and Tommy? I didn't watch. I did not watch Pam and Tommy, but um, I know a couple of things about it. But I know. I mean, I was. I was alive during the Pam and Tommy thing, and really need to, you know, there's, not enough interest there for me. All right, there's there's so many options, you know. Yeah, you there's gotta, so much TV right now, and so much, and there's only more coming. Yeah, exactly, uh, exactly. Yeah, I was gonna mention this. This is a total uh, detour for us. Um, but mm-hmm. I was going to mention when we were talking about like best things we watched this week, I just have no inspiration to watch any shows or movies lately. Like I just can't, <laughs> especially movies. I just like, it's very hard for me to make myself sit down and watch a two hour movie, at least in the last week. Um, it, it's go, it's go more taxing for sure to sit down and dedicate two hours to a movie. I don't know why. I don't know. It's only been the last I week, know. but I was like, oh, I, and it's not just the two hour movies. Cause I was going to watch drive my it's car, which is three. I was going to watch. Yeah. I was going to watch West side story, which is also pretty long. And I was just like, I don't want to take half the day to watch this. Right. I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't know. I'm hoping that that passes because. But I'm, then I'm, you went to the theater and watched the three hour Batman. Right. Movie, yes. So, you but know, I'm I mean. forced to sit there for three hours. Um, <laughs> you know, in this one, I watched it last night. And then again, I watched it again today. So it's not like I'm not watching things, but I just, it's, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like I, also, I think you're just in a funk. That, and it's like the hottest time in basketball right now too. Right, so I'm right. watching a ton of basketball and I will be for the next few weeks. So my movie watching will be a little bit yeah. lighter. And it's, are we recording before your birthday next week or after? Yeah, my birthday's Friday. Nice. So a week from Friday. There we go. Hooray. I'm, I feel like, uh, I feel like Blanche. I'm like, oh, cool. 37. How many, uh, how many candles are we putting Let's on Let's put cake 22 after? on my cake. I think that would be great. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. I, uh. <laughs> I, I will say, like, I, I did as a 37-year-old single bachelor, like, without kids, when most of my friends have kids, I was like, yeah, I get that. I completely yeah. get where some of the characters are coming from in this movie, where you're like, yeah, what am I doing with my life? Uh, what am I doing? All right, well, it is a 3.88 listener average on this one, and uh, why don't you go ahead and talk about your life and your rating for this movie? <laughs> my life, my life, I would give 3 point, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> My my rating is a three point five. Um, okay. It I, I struggled with this because I I think it's really really well written, really well acted. The score is great. Like on paper, this movie is awesome. Um, but like Jeff, I didn't have any fun watching this. Uh, I felt like both times I watched it, it was just it was hard to get through, and it's so dense that I seriously each each watch took me like three hours to watch because I mm. kept rewinding, even with the captions on to be like, wait, what was the what was that line? What was there? And yeah. I don't know. I, it made me feel like I was like a little dense uh, yeah. for a movie that's dense, where I was like, yeah. why am I why am I missing things? It was rewarding. There's lots that I picked up on. Um, I just don't think this is like I don't I don't get why this is like one of the greatest movies of all time Fair in enough. execution as much as it is on paper. Fair enough. I I think one of the things is and I don't know if you picked up on this when I was watching on HBO Max last night. 
the subtitles are ahead of the dialogue. Yes, they. I noticed that. And it's that was just really my Roku. throwing me yeah. off. Yeah. Like, I'm like, no, that's one of the greatest lines, and you're putting it in little text before it comes out of their mouths. Stop well, it. sometimes. And then sometimes yeah. they were after, and yeah. sometimes it wasn't the line that they said. Like, it was way right. different. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, HBO Max is terrible with subtitles. Like, awful. So well, they, they probably need, weren't they subtitles. Yeah. I don't know who handled subtitles on this movie in the first place, but it's right. not like they were subtitling a ton of movies in 1951. It would have been really funny if it was a different name than Stella in the subtitles. Yeah. Starla! Uh, right. Uh, it is interesting, too. When he's when he's yeah. yelling for Stella, he's looking up. And now that I know Stella yeah. means star, yeah. um, I kind of want to rewatch I'm not going to watch this movie again, but I want to rewatch this with like the idea of thinking about Stella as a star and how, how that compares. Um, I, I also want to shout out, or well, never mind. I'll save it for my one more thing. Um, I'll, I'll save it for my one last thing. Um, I'm going to give this movie a 4.5. Nice. I am closer to, um, you know, where Owen and Megan the Librarian are on this. I think this is a classic for a reason. I think it's one of the best stage-to-screen adaptations of its era, um, mm-hmm. if not of all time. I, I think the performances just really pop. Um I, it's just like this could have been a three-hour movie, and I'm really glad it's not. Um, I think that they did a really good job with the adaptation of itself. And Tennessee Williams, a notor- notorious uh, alcoholic, mm-hmm. um, you can really feel I that. You can really feel that he was sitting in a New Orleans hotel room drinking whiskey and writing this play. Mm-hmm. Like you really feel that. In did this. watching this movie and, make you? like reconsider your own drinking and not that you like have a drinking no but like did it like when you see stuff like this does it ever make you think like it does sometimes yeah in some movies it does yeah Yeah. but not 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 necessarily in this one um but maybe if i had been drinking while i was watching the movie it could have but um yeah it's gonna be a 4.5 for me i i i think it holds up incredibly well um i think that the themes that it's playing with are kind of ahead of its time Mm -hmm. um and probably would be handled differently, maybe even for worse in a mo- more modern adaptation. Yeah, um, I did so think I'm, about I'm, I did think about like if we if we did a remake of this because um, I'm yeah. kind of surprised this hasn't been touched at all. Um, well, it has. There was an Alec Baldwin version in the '90s uh, that was a made-for-TV version. Yeah, um, with him and uh, I can't remember who the female lead was, but yeah. Yeah, is there anybody who you'd like to see in this movie if they remade it? Um, no, I, I I would have to think on that. Not nobody, nobody specifically comes to mind. I think you get like, I think you get like an Adam Scott as a Mitch. Like give it five years and put Adam Scott in the role of Mitch. And then you get like, and then you get somebody like, I don't know, um, Channing Tatum as a... So- I think it's a little. I think Channing Tatum's a little old, but I think okay. it's. And this is partially why I didn't watch any movies last week because or, or watched, Miles Teller. You get Miles Teller. No, Give he's Miles not. Teller he's not No, he's too. You know. He's too slim. Uh, but I uh, part of why I didn't watch very many movies last week is because I binged <laughs> the whole season of Euphoria okay. uh, in the last week. Uh, and Jacob Elordi is okay. uh, one of the characters in that movie. Um, and he he plays like he does kind of have that same um, you know that that same look to him as. Yeah. Uh, as um marlon brando so mm-hmm. i actually could see um you know see him in 
in this way, I could see this whole movie being casted by the with the Euphoria cast, to be honest. Um, yeah, I think you could like Euphoria does some of these weird episodes. It would be interesting if they did like a streetcar named Desire episode. Um, yeah. But yeah, Jacob, I feel like Jacob Elordi, he's he plays a terrible asshole, abusive alcoholic in Euphoria. So it's not that much. Uh, he plays a character named Nate. It's not that much of a not much of that much of a change. So, yeah. Um, we didn't even talk about the title. Does the title have any significance to you? Uh, well, the streetcar that she wrote in on is named right. Desire yes. at the beginning of the film. So other than, you know, also, I mean, it's all about her desire to live a life that mm-hmm. she's pretending to lead. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. She is the streetcar. Yeah, I wish I could. And, and maybe somebody out. has a, has a yeah. read on, like, is it just that it's it's these characters dealing with their desires and they yeah. she takes the streetcar? Yeah, I guess she comes in like a streetcar. Um, yeah. The the up. the train whistle often like sets her off too into yep. some of these. Episodes. The train does, yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. So you gave it a four point five. I um, did. So it's gonna land at a three point nine six overall. Uh, that'll bounce up to a four for the uh, purposes of Letterboxd. Um, who's your hero in the movie, Zach? Uh, I'm gonna go with Tennessee Williams as well, which I think was Olin's hero of the movie. Yep. Um, yeah. Just, I mean the. Like, well, I have some issues with kind of how dense the writing was just to put so much into it. And yeah. um, and just the, the different parallels in this movie and some of the themes. I really like that. So, uh, I mean, lots lots of opportunities for actors to choose from. But uh, Tennessee Williams pulled them all together. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it's I mean, I think it's a cheat to say all four of the leads. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go with just. um. Marlon Brando's screen presence, I think, wins the movie. Um, mm. It's Marlon Brando really just in his in only his second major role just pops off the screen in a really great way. Um, uh, I was going to say, do you notice that Marlon Brando looks a ton like James Caan? Like a young Marlon Brando yes, really does look that, like yeah. James Caan. And now I was like, you know oh. why James Caan was cast as son. Yes, yeah. I was like, okay, I see it. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, you can see it. Kind of like sure. what we had last year with Brad Pitt and uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Robert Redford, young Robert Redford, yep. or at least what I thought. So, uh, all right, moving on to uh, connections. Yep. So, um, connections to last week, of course, Blanche had a failed marriage when she was young. Yep. Um, and uh, as did uh, Zoe Kazan's character. Um, why am I blanking on her name from from Big Sur? Oh, um, uh, uh, Emily. Emily, yes. Emily. Uh, also, you know, we do have another story about immigrants. So, uh, yep. you know. Uh, uh, I'm blanking on all names. Stanley was a Polish immigrant, um, even though he, you know, he's, and he says, I'm an American. Um, also, we have, you know, immigrants the last couple weeks coming to America. Yep. Um, and we have a character that slept with their student, which is what we had from the big sick, uh, from the father figure in the big sick. Oh, yeah. The father figure slept to the student. Yeah. You're yep. at a teaching conference. Yep. Yeah. Had an affair. Yep. Um, yeah. I guess maybe it wasn't a student, but had an affair. We don't know. Yeah. We don't had know. an affair with something that was educational related. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Anything else to last week that uh, you want to make sure that we mentioned that we haven't yet? Um, not specifically that we haven't mentioned that I can that I can specifically think of. No. Okay. Um, connections to other movies from this year. So we had love letters in this. Yep. Uh, which we had in both Brooklyn and uh, the Notebook. The Notebook. Yep. Uh, also uh, to Brooklyn, we have someone traveling to a new city, yep. trying to sort out their love life, which happens in Brooklyn. Um, I put originally a young person traveling to a new city. I guess it's a youngish person. Yeah. Um. Um, you know, and especially dealing with um, dealing with a sick sister mm-hmm. also, 
I mean, Blanche is obviously mentally ill. It's not the same as being physically ill, mm-hmm. like uh, like um, the character's sister in Brooklyn, but we have that. Um, oh, that's cool. About time, um, actually, we have a lot of family drama and about time with, um, you know, what, how you react to when your family has alcohol issues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as uh, uh, Don Gleason in About Time goes out of his way to try to save his sister from getting in a drunken car accident. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, and there's lots of, you know, Stan, dealing with Stanley's alcoholism in this movie. Yeah. Um, what else? I feel like there's some good uh, connections to The Quiet Man is also yeah. like getting in touch with, you know, your family history, yep. uh, coming to a new place. We have also yeah. have traveling with a secret that gets revealed at some point in the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. A deadly secret, actually. Yeah. A deadly um, secret. Yeah. And we have the the romance between, uh, you know, uh, um, an immigrant man and a yep. local woman. There you go. Yep. Yep. Um, and Quiet Man was just a year after this, and I believe wasn't Quiet Man also nominated for some Oscars? So we have yes, like, we had representation at, at two Oscar Oscar awards uh, in a row. Exactly. Yeah. Um, let me see if I put anything else. Uh, nope. Uh, yeah, and just the father dying, which I think you yep. mentioned. So, all right. What is our title connection back to the big sick? Um, I said a Kazan dealing with family dealing in family issues. Oh. Um. Yeah, I think that's probably good. Uh, I was going to say, like, love and marriage with the Kazans or with Kazan. We, we Kazan. just did that, though. Oh, we did. We just right. did that same. Yeah, we that's just did that same thing. That's why it's on your brain. Yeah, I think I think a Kazan dealing with family issues is better. OK, yep, that, that works. Um, And movie map, I had uh, the big sleep because it's primarily about two sisters with a male in the middle trying to sort out all this secret family drama. Mm-hmm. And there's a death oh. involved. Uh, would you and believe me if I said sister, I didn't put any thought into this yet? Uh, I totally forgot. Um, one sister is trying to protect the other sister. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's I, it, there's a lot of parallels to the big sleep. Yeah. Um, what about Dirty Dancing? In terms um, of kind of a, a bad boy with a tight T-shirt in a... Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's a, definitely, yeah, you, you can definitely draw a parallel. Yeah. Um, some things that happened in the past. He does go he, screaming in the rain. True, yeah. yep. Um, and there were sisters as well. Yep. Um, true true yeah so the other one i was thinking of and before i saw this movie i was tweeting about it that you know i thought this movie would be a lot like rebel without a cause just because it's from the same time period we have a character in a tight white t-shirt again kind of an iconic hollywood uh star but no this was much different than rebel without a cause for sure um well should we get into one more thing one more thing yeah what do you got yeah so my one more thing is i i it's hard to talk about this movie and not shout out the classic uh, streetcar named Selma episode of The Simpsons, mm-hmm. where Ned Flanders plays Stanley Kowalski in a Springfield oh, theater production. Huh? Oh, man. And he, of course, has the, it's actually Streetcar the musical, and <laughs> he has a whole song about Stella. Stella, can't you hear me yella? Stella. Stella, and it is one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite Simpsons episodes of all time. So that's my one last thing is I wanted to mention if you've never seen um, a streetcar named Selma, um, definitely go see, or or maybe it's streetcar named Marge. I can't remember. I think it is it, named Selma. Is it Selma? Okay, yeah. yeah. Go go watch streetcar named Selma, the classic Simpsons episode. That's my one last thing. Nice. Yeah. That's a very good one. Last thing. Uh, yeah. 
mine is um the i want to shout out the awkward just the whole awkward birthday dinner um yes. with the you know the cake that had only 25 candles on it and then um and then it ends with Stanley smashing the plates and just having mm. like this really, really dramatic outburst um, because he's called a Polak and a pig. Um, yeah. And he smashes the plate. He throws stuff at the wall. I mean, I don't know how much of that was scripted and how much was just Brando mm-hmm. kind of going, going and for doing it. his thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was really good. There you go. Nice. Uh, a lemon Coke with plenty of chipped ice for you, Brendan, for completing this podcast. <laughs> I, that's a southern thing, right? Calling everything lemon coke. That's just a sprite. I'm assuming. Yeah, it's a sprite. Yeah. Okay. Because I was like, is that like a you know like a coke you know like a cherry coke, but a lemon coke? Um, they do call it pop though instead of. Uh, no, never called it. I never called. They it did. Pop. They but did also, in this movie. But also, you have pop. to remember, my mother and father were from New Jersey and Pennsylvania, respectively. Oh, okay. So I grew up calling it whatever they called it. You know, so it's, you know, diet coke or coke or you know. Yeah, that's that's the name of it. It's not yeah. pop. Um, no, they did call it pop in this, but then they then they I refer do to make fun of my own. sister whenever she calls it pop, and she's like, "It's pop in Pittsburgh." I'm like, yeah. "Stop it! You didn't grow up with that." All right. Well, uh, with that, all that uh, all that pop talk, let's get into our pop, listener pop. suggestions, where we pick our ladder pick for next week, our ladder rung for next week. So we have suggestions sent in from listeners, ones from yeah. us, your hosts, yeah. and. Uh, like I said, there's some very obvious ones. I'll be curious uh, how many will be taken off of my list. Yep. Um, how did how did you feel? Was it was it hard for you to pick this week? Easy for you? It was hard for me to narrow down because I I wrote down a lot of classic films and then I struggled trying to come up with some more modern ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm agreed. probably still gonna struggle um to decide what my final four or five are gonna be. But and you know we'll we'll see what gets crossed off from the listeners. I think there are several that will. Yeah. So. I have a lot of older movies as well on my list. I tried to pick a couple new ones. I picked one very new one. Um, yeah. And one, another one from last year. So uh, we'll see. All right. So start with Jeff. Mutiny on the Bounty, Marlon Brando. Yep. Superman, Good one. 1978 version, Marlon Brando. Yep. I think we get Kevin back to do another podcast on Superman the movie. He would love it. Yeah. He would. He would totally do it. Do it again. He just yeah. did it. Uh, run it back. Uh, mm-hmm. How the West Was Won, Carl Malden, among other people yep. in that movie. So, Medical Librarian, Gone with the Wind. Vivian Lee wins an Oscar for playing a Southern Belle. You can definitely imagine Blanche as a descendant of Scarlett O'Hara. Absolutely. Can I tell you, I've never actually seen all of Gone with the Wind. I've never seen it either. So, um, yeah, I, I don't even know anything about it. I know that it had the warning placed on it when it got on HBO Max. Frankly, um, Megan the Librarian, I don't give a damn. Oh, is that what that's from? No. <laughs> uh, on the Waterfront. Sure. Next one is uh, Marlon Brando, Carl Calden, Elias Kazan, Reteam for another movie that got multiple Oscar nominations. This was three years later. And uh, this was one I definitely thought of watching this movie. I freaking love this pick. uh, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane from 1962, so 11 years later. Story of two sisters, one of whom has severe mental health issues and one of whom is named Blanche. Yep. That's got to be intentional, you would think. I freaking love Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. It's I watched it last year. It is wild. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. I guess I shouldn't Very say it's crazy, so, but it's wild. All right, from Jim. Uh, for Rung, how about Carl Malden supporting another great Burt Lancaster in John Frankenheimer's 1962 film Birdman of Alcatraz? Mm-hmm. A Stella features prominently in Birdman of Alcatraz too. Three actors were nominated for Oscars for Birdman of Alcatraz, though instead of Carl Malden, his fellow 1970s TV detective Telly Savalas. Nice. Uh, oh, it would be our second Telly Savalas movie. Oh, really? 
What was Telly Savalas? Great, and, great escape, uh, right? Oh, okay. And what, what, who was in Carl playing? Uh, Carl Ko- Kojak. Okay. They were both in Kojak. Yes. All right. So from all in, as Hugh, his first one, All the King's Men, as Huey Long yep. said, Every Man is a King, Spotted Stanley. This Best Picture Academy Award-winning film has many parallels with Huey Long's political career mm-hmm. uh, about a common-as-muck man feeling disparaged by higher-ups and battling his way upward. Next one. This was on my list. This was one of this the, on I thought, very well. obvious connections. So I've only seen, like, a little bit of this when my brother was watching it when he was here. Yeah. Uh, but it is Cat on a Hot Tim, Tin Roof, another yeah. Tennessee Williams film, uh, adapted film, Best Picture nominee with a strong cast, including Paul Newman, Elizabeth Taylor, and Burl Ives. Uh, it seemed to Burl have Ives, to deal yeah. with alcoholism. Burl Ives. Uh, seemed to have to do with alcoholism as well, yep. from what I saw of it. As, mo- as a lot of Tennessee Williams scripts do. Yeah. Yes. And I, I texted my brother. I said, oh, okay, so Tennessee Williams, uh, his movies are intense. And he said, yep, yeah, he, had, he had issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, Waterloo Bridge is Olin's third suggestion. Vivian, Vivian Lee crosses paths with another American serviceman. Complications arrive in Vivian's uh, relations as she tries to escape from her past actions. Nice. Uh, is this the oldest collection of movies we've ever had as listener suggestions? We don't have um, a single. The latest movie hmm. we have is Superman from 1978. Uh, I feel like there was probably a lot of really old suggestions when we were in Hitchcock month. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's probably the oldest since 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, can, I mean, I, I have a couple yeah. newer ones, but I can't believe that, you know, yeah. there's not a single movie that a listener suggested that came out after I was born yeah. or after well. you were born. Yeah. Pretty well. All right. Uh, you get to go first this week. Okay. Uh, first one I am going to suggest is uh, Elliot Kazan's A Face of the Crowd. Hmm. Um, that's a movie I haven't seen that I know ranks very highly on people's lists. Um, I also think it would be incredibly remiss if one of us didn't nominate uh, The Godfather, obviously, yeah. for Marlon Brando. Um uh, dealing with people with mental health disorders and was also nominated for a Best Adapted Screenplay Oscar, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Mm. Oh, nice. What year was that, 70? Uh, Cuckoo's Nest was 72? Uh, something like that, yeah. 75. Yeah. Of course, 75 um, was that strong year when all those really good movies came out. And then I'm going to pick two of um, two very famous stage two uh, script adaptations. Uh, first one, Older, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Ah, yes. And the second one, um, Little Shop of Horrors. The fun, the fun musical one. Yep, the fun musical one with uh, Rick Moranis. Yep. And then I am going to round out with one more pick. Uh, five picks. Um, Six picks. Face the Crowd, Godfather, One Flew, Virginia Woolf, Little Shop of Horrors. That's fine. It's your podcast. (laughs) You know what? No, I'll stop there. Do it. Just go with that to it. You're welcome to. I'm not not trying to turn um, you. Yeah, so I want to go with one more Marlon Brando movie that hasn't come up yet, and that is uh, The Fugitive Kind. The Island of Dr. Moreau. I thought about The Island of Dr. Moreau, but it's it's in my also rant. I read that book when I was in college. Marlon Brando movie, The Fugitive Kind. Nice. All right. Uh, you didn't take you didn't take anything off my list. The only one that was oh, taken off of my list uh, was Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Nice. So, uh, I mean, how can I not suggest Gaslight? Um, yeah, that's like a good a, one. Seems like a very good connection to this. Yep. Uh, you know, movie about uh, a woman who's being gaslit. 
that's where the term comes from. You can find out why. Yeah. Um, it's come up a ton. Uh, next one, uh, story, another movie that's come up a ton, a story about a man in his mid-30s. He has a relationship with a school teacher in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it won Best Picture, Best Picture, and that is Marty. Yeah. So we connected this movie back to Marnie. Why not do Marty? Mm-hmm. Um, there you go. All right. Uh, I also had Kim Hunter, and there were is in this, and there were a lot of lines about apes. Uh, damn oh, you, yeah, the, apes. In all uh, the apes. Yeah. Yes. So the first Planet of the Apes movie, Charlton Heston, another Hollywood icon. Um, I, I've only there seen the remakes of Planet of the Apes. I've never seen the original. Okay. So, um, and then I will do uh, a couple newer ones. Uh, the first is a movie called Together. It's on Hulu right now. Um, it's a movie about a married couple going through problems and locked in their homes because of COVID. And oh, so it was, a, it was a COVID made movie. Um, and it's just like a family drama and it's two yeah. people kind of stuck in an apartment together. Okay. I, also, I also thought about Malcolm and Marie, but I think together is a little bit more about like marriage issues. Yeah. Um, and then I will round things out. Uh, oh no, I have two. Okay. So this one I have to put on here. Cause this is a movie I recently saw. And I think that most of our listeners have not seen it stars. Kim Hunter. I think it's one that all one really likes. That is a matter of life and death. Uh, so this was a movie my brother showed me. Um, Kim Hunter is one of the leads in it. And it's a really, really interesting look on like the afterlife. It's it's kind of like Soul or kind of like um, the one with Albert Brooks that you brought up, Defending Your Life. Interesting. Oh um, yeah, yeah, Defending Your Life. So we're kind of going back and forth between the afterlife and the huh. the uh, real life. So tons go. of stuff. I think there would be tons of stuff to talk about. I think it'd be a new watch for a lot of people. It is on Criterion Channel um, and maybe on HBO Max. So uh, and then my final one, I have to suggest it because it is Oscar season. So he's up for a whole bunch of Oscars about a brother-in-law who torments. Uh, his or a man who torments his sister-in-law uh, and very interesting family dynamics uh, and that is power of the dog nice good one did you think i power of the dog was actually the first movie i thought of when i was watching I, yeah i don't know why i didn't think of power of the dog i should have good good mm-hmm. call that's a that's a very good call yeah jesse clemens would actually make a really good match as well yeah yeah that's yeah. that's just clemens. Yeah. um so uh talk about a you know a long movie that's that's very dense and yeah. uh, pretty plotted out but um, for sure um do we want to do also for, what'd you have for hum, uh, for honorable mentions yeah also uh long day's journey into night is another uh stage to screen adaptation this one eugene o'neill uh mm-hmm. deals with a family coping with an addiction from a family member um and then we have uh woman under the influence i also thought about i had that um, on my but list i just well. watched that last week yeah that's why i didn't suggest it. uh sunset boulevard um has a lot of the same sort of staginess Mm-hmm. Um, a person not being able to reconcile with their age. Um, uh, what else we got? Uh, One Eye Jacks for Brando. I went to Dr. Moreau for Brando. Um, on the Waterfront was on my list. Uh, Doubt for Stage to Screen. Oh, jeez. Um, Bye Bye Birdie also for Stage to Screen. Uh, Panic in the Streets. Um, yeah, that's, that's about it. My, 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 uh, I also had Devil Salesman for Stage to Screen. Uh, uh, never seen it. I don't know anything about it, really. I just know it's about a salesman who dies, I'm assuming. Uh, and then another, uh, it's like about 10 years old, that's called The One I Love. And it's about a, yeah. ma- a marriage that's falling apart. Um, and uh, they go on a trip together to, nice. to try to repair their marriage. I thought some of the marriage themes could work. But all right. Well, those are our honorable mentions. Why don't you list off what we actually have in contention right. for the final four? All right. We're taking it back to the top. Uh, Meet Me on the Bounty, Superman, How the West Was Won, Gone with the Wind, On the Waterfront, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, Birdman of Alcatraz, All the King's Men, 
Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, Waterloo Bridge, A Face in the Crowd, The Godfather, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, Little Shop of Horrors, The Fugitive Kind, Gaslight, Marty, Planet of the Apes, Together, A Matter of Life and Death, Power of the Dog. All right. I get to go first. Yeah. Yep. You get to go first. Um. I guess I say I like all of my suggestions. The other ones like, are fine, but like uh, I, I really like. I, I think I have some like very interesting suggestions. I like this list. Um, uh, all right. I think I'm probably gonna go Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Um, mm-hmm. just because I've never seen it. It was between that and whatever happened to Baby Jane. I've also never seen Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Yeah. Um, I just I wonder if it's gonna be a little similar, but a little too similar. We'll find out. So Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Uh, we'll see Paul Newman in the lead. Yep. Elizabeth Taylor. So. Um, all right. And you get to go next. For my listener pick, I want to go with Birdman of Alcatraz. I've never seen it. Um, it would be our first prison movie since Great Escape. Um, I think it would be actually a really interesting movie to do. Um, so I'm going to go with Birdman of Alcatraz. Yeah. Um, Burt Lancaster, Carl Malden. All right. Yep. Uh, all right. So I get to pick from your list now. Um, I'm like sort of tempted to go with The Godfather, but I feel like that's just I'm not. I, I don't. I and don't, we could keep Oscar month going, buddy. True. Was uh, Virginia Woolf nominated for Oscars? Because I think that's yes, where I'm leaning. Absolutely, it was. Yeah, and that's supposed to be one of the most. It's like one of the best comedies of all time. Correct? It's funny. Yeah, it's also a dark comedy. It's very dark. Yeah, very dark. All right. Uh, I think I'm gonna do that. Uh, what was the connection to Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Uh, it's family issues. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And stage to screen. What are the best stage to screen adaptations ever made? All right, Mike Nichols movie. Oh, it's from 19- I thought it was uh, more recent than that, or older than that. Mike, Mike Nichols from 1966. Um, all right. And uh, for you, off of my list. All right. Uh, this is tough. What do I want to go with? Because I, I like the idea. I could sell myself on different things from your list. Um, mm-hmm. A Matter of Life and Death is a movie I've never even heard of unless you've mentioned it to me and it's just out of my brain i think i did bring it up on the podcast when you probably after I watched it, but, um, I, mean, I don't know if i'm ready to revisit power of the dog yet even though i know i need to um i don't really want to go with marty even though it's come off the bunch and it is an oscar nominated it's about a, a man in his mid-30s oscar winning movie. school teacher um so yeah I, i'll go with i'll go with marty and let's huh? see what happens if that wins um so yeah our final four are cat on a hot tin roof Birdman of alcatraz who's afraid of virginia wolf and marty um all four i think you know are classics of their um their time uh movies that are all very well regarded three of which i believe um all were if not previously on the stage transformed into stage plays oh um marty i believe was got turned into a play after the fact um Birdman of Alcatraz is one of the most infamous stories of you know modern America where you know it <clears throat> there there are a lot of famous people who got sent to Alcatraz in you know the early 20th century and mid 20th century um the Birdman being one of their most infamous um uh, all right so uh, Virginia Woolf and Birdman, neither of which is easily streamable. Um, oh. Obviously, you can get it from the library um, okay. or rent it. Um, 
Both are rentable on Amazon or other okay. services. Uh, Marty is on Canopy and Amazon Prime. Got it. Um, as well as uh, had some of the ad-supported ones like Pluto TV and Tubi. Um, mm-hmm. Starring Ernest Borgnine. And then, I, oops, I just closed the tab. But Cat on a Hot Tin Roof is streaming, I think, on HBO Max. Yes, on HBO. So gotcha. if you still have HBO Max from the last few weeks, you could just stick with that. Um, yeah, there you go. And, uh, yeah, that's our, that's where our four are. So um, Yeah, uh, what, what do you feel like doing? I mean, do you want to go prison movie? Do you want to go comedy do you want to go dark um we could go you know or just run it run back tennessee williams vibes with cat on a hot tin roof i mean makes i think that's the best connection um, i think it is too um really really stellar cast um it's between that and virginia wolf for me to be honest um but i think because cat on a hot tin virginia wolf have you seen that or is that new for you as i've well? never seen it i've never seen it as well um I mean, so that's this one, a bitter aging couple with the help of alcohol uses a young couple to fuel anguish and emotional pain towards each other. Sounds about right. Um, that's a pretty so, good connection. And uh, Kevin Hatcher, an alcoholic ex-football player, drinks his days away. Oh, so, fun. Uh, yeah. And we're talking about the 1966 version? Uh, Mike Mike... No, Kevin Roof is the 58 version. No, um, I mean of Virginia Woolf. Yeah, 66 by Mike Nichols. Yeah, also with Elizabeth Taylor and Richard uh, well, well, if we want to use a tiebreaker, uh, the letterboxed overall rating is 4.2 for Virginia Woolf and 3.8 for Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. I'd like to go with Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. That is what we're doing. You if just you want the point. Mind. You want the point. I get it. Um, <laughs> no, but this is... Uh, but I rarely stump for myself that hard. True. You know? So I, I got to stand up for myself. I think that Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf will be, it will be really great to talk about. Um, All right. And especially in context of this movie, as we see, maybe this is what becomes of Stanley and Stella as they get older. Mm-hmm. You know, this could be an older version of those two. True. Could be. Uh, so 15 years later. So. Yep. Uh, you are cordially invited to George and Martha's for an evening of fun and games. Oh, I like fun and games. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't? The, the yep. uh, Virginia Wolf B&B. Virginia so. Wolf B&B. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> Elizabeth uh, and Richard Burton are playing some kittens. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, Martha and George with the company of Nick. Oh, so we had a Mitch in. Yep. Uh, we had a Mitch in this movie with a Nick in the next movie. So Doughboy's Month continues. Uh, yep. And well. it's um, George Siegel, who is uh, most famous for. Oh, what was the stupid sitcom he was on? We have David Spade. Um, it was on NBC. Oh, like Spin Spin City Spin, or. Not Spin City. Um, just shoot me. No. Oh, just shoot it? me. Yeah, just yeah. Shoot that, me. yeah, that yeah, was, yeah. I don't know if he was in that, but that was the one with uh, <clears throat> with David Spade. Yeah, he wasn't just yeah. shoot me. Yeah, yeah, just shoot me. Duh, George Siegel. Yeah, so this is good. Younger George Siegel. All right, but, um, there we go. Yeah, cool. I'm excited right. for this. This will be good. So yep. stage two screen month, as stage well as screen. screenplay month. I believe this uh, was nominated if it didn't win a best adapted screenplay. So cool. we'll have to look that up. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to talk all things Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf next week. Uh, again, you will have to rent this one. Apologies, but uh, it's only one ninety nine. It's a cheaper one. So fantastic. Uh, and maybe it's streaming somewhere in Canada, in Ireland, uh, <laughs> or your local library. So. Yep. All right. Uh, with that, uh, Brendan, uh, anything else uh, you want to get to? Uh, so let's see. What do I want to do? 
Um, so I have uh, the new season of Top Chef just hit. Um, really been enjoying that so far. The premiere was last Thursday. Um, I was joking with Latanya earlier about how we both forgot to mention it, even though she does a podcast on it, and it's one of my favorite shows. Um, Top, Top Chef Houston has been really fun so far. Um, so excited for the second episode of that on Thursday. Um, and then other than that, I don't really know. Um, there's a movie that is uh, that I'm excited about for the Criterion this week called Wildlife that was recommended on one of the uh, podcasts that I listened to, The Big Picture, um, yep. and it'll fit right into my 2010s criterion, so I'm really excited to check that out. Nice. Um, yeah, for me, I don't know. I'm going to start basketball really picking up this weekend, so i got to find some time to watch some movies. Uh, I would love to see After Yang. Um, yeah. I've had that on yeah, my that's list for a while. This weekend. Uh, yeah, Koganata made that. He did Columbus, but we did. Yep. Uh, some Which people really about. liked Columbus. Um, yeah. So uh, I also would like to watch this first episode of the uh, Showtime show, Lakers Showtime show, but I've heard that's been really good. I really enjoyed the premiere. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, still haven't watched several, so like tons of TV and stuff to catch up on. Um, lots of TV, yeah, yeah, lots of stuff going on. Um, and of course, we're gonna be watching Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf next um, week. Uh, uh, nominated for thirteen Academy Awards. Yeah, I was about so. to say thirteen Academy Awards. Yeah. Um, yep. And I think this is like one of the, you know, I think I'm pretty sure this is on like AFI list and things like that. Yeah, um, for sure. So. Yeah, hit hit one of the classics. Maybe we'll go another fifteen years next week. You know, we did fifty one yeah. to sixty six. Then we I go. I mean, I've uh, already got ideas for next week. Eighty one. So oh, look at you. Based off of this, so you know, oh, maybe man. we will. Maybe we'll be going more than fifteen years into the future, but we'll see. Oh, interesting. Yeah, well, there's lots of connections off of this, um, and we yeah. welcome you to send them in at Ladder Movie on Twitter, themovieladdergmail dot com. Uh, send us your feedback, score, next movie suggestions, and uh, we're looking forward to talking about it. So, uh, all right, anything else, Brendan? Nope. All right. See everybody next week for Virginia. Well, some funny games with George and Martha. Yes. Funny games with George and Martha. 